Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It is time for a new Saturday podcast presented, as always, by our friends at Iowa Pork. You'll hear more about Iowa Pork here just in a few minutes. Of course, we recorded in the Carl Chevrolet studios. This month, the Back to School sales event is going on at Carl Chevrolet and Carl Chevrolet of Stewart. They'll have great deals on all of the following vehicles. All new Chevrolets are supplier priced and up to $13,000 off. You can get the brand new Chevy Silverado 1500 double cabs are up to 25% off or zero down for 72 months. You can get the Equinox. Uh, the new Chevy Equinox at 0% for 60 months plus 750 cash allowance when financed with GM Financial. The Chevy Colorado, over $5,000 off for current GM owners. If you pick up that Chevy Colorado, you can look just like uh, my co-host on Football and Random Things, Jeff Woody, when he's rolling around here uh, in Ankeny. And then last but not least, they have the new Chevy Traverse at over $5,000 off. It's the back-to-school sales event going on right now at Carl Chevrolet and Carl Chevrolet of Stewart. Check them out at Carl Chevrolet. Chevrolet.com, CarlChevroletStewart.com, Exit 90 at The Rock in Ankeny, and then of course Stewart just west of the Des Moines Metro. I want to remind everybody as well, August 24th at Barntown Brewing in uh, West Des Moines, we will be having our annual Cyclone Fanatic kickoff party. We will be having a, a raffle. We'll be unveiling the new Cyclone Fanatic beer. I think that we're just any minute really going to announce what that new beer will be obviously chris is off being a dad uh with the birth of his second daughter on thursday elise patricia patricia williams he's going to kill me because i can't even say his daughter's name but uh, i can promise you she's a little cutie and we're excited to welcome her to the cyclone fanatic family i'm sure that she'll be out there next saturday at the cyclone fanatic kickoff event uh so you can You'll be able to try the new Cyclone Fanatic beer. You'll be able to uh, participate in a raffle that includes tickets to the Iowa State game against TCU, George Niang signed memorabilia. There's some Matt Campbell memorabilia. There will be a Steve Prohm signed basketball, uh, an authentic Iowa State football jersey, Iowa State women's basketball memorabilia, and I'm sure that there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we will be adding here in the coming days leading up to that party, August 24th at Barntown Brewing in West Des Moines. 2 p.m. is the time to check that out. You uh, still have a at least one more day, I guess, here not listening on the Saturday podcast, or you can always get online at teamcloset.com slash Cyclone Fanatic and pick up our Cyclone Fanatic merch. We do still have that stuff at the Cattle Building uh, at the Iowa State Fair. I know the State Fair ends now on Saturday, so hopefully you're not listening to this on Sunday or Monday and already missed out on that opportunity. But even if you did, teamcloset.com slash Cyclone Fanatic is the place for that. And last but not least, if you like what we do here at Cyclone Fanatic, consider consider donating to our Patreon. You can find where to do that in a quick and easy and secure way at CycloneFanatic.com. Right there on the homepage, there's a big orange button that says become a patron. All right. On today's podcast, I was joined by my friend, Nick Graham. He has a new book coming out uh, early next year. He said that he there's a chance that the, the pre-sale could be getting here going in a couple months uh, before the end of 2019 but he knows for sure that the book will come out in 2020 Uh, and the title of the book is God and Basketball an Athlete's Playbook to Navigating Life with God's Word we talk a little bit about the book at the very beginning of the podcast and then we just get into you know we talk some Iowa State hoops he was a graduate assistant at Iowa State 
uh, he, he has a lot of good stories. He spent a lot of time around some really elite athletes here in the last year ever since he left Ames. And, you know, we talked about this pre the past Iowa State basketball season. We talked about next Iowa State basketball season. And then we just talk about a handful of different topics that surround basketball and life. I think it's a really great conversation. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. We'll get to that momentarily here after a quick word from our friends at Iowa Pork on the Cyclone Fanatic Saturday podcast. Hey, Cyclone fans, it's Chris Williams. You've heard our friends from the Iowa pork producers. They've been coming on here for the last couple of years. I've been telling you guys about them. I've had the great opportunity to meet so many of our state's great pork producers over the last couple of years, and I've learned so much. One thing specifically, I didn't really know this before. I guess I probably should have, but these pigs are raised in environmentally controlled barns. That helps farmers care for the pigs. They protect the pigs from extreme temperatures, predators, you know, all that stuff. It is so high tech, some of the stuff that our great pork producers are doing, and they're doing it all to feed our world. And, and don't forget about this. So you can have some of that delicious Iowa pork at your tailgates coming up this fall. From everyone at Cyclone Fanatic, I'm Chris Williams saying thank you to our state's great pork producers. We welcome in now to the Cyclone Fanatic Saturday podcast, former Iowa State graduate assistant, former college basketball player, now basketball trainer Nick Graham. What's up, brother? And I guess published author here soon. soon. I, sorry, I should have added that too. Yeah, I'm still not used to it. Yeah, what's going on, man? That sounds cool. Not much, man. It's uh, it's good to talk to you. We had you on the podcast, man. It's been, it doesn't seem like it was like a year and a half ago, but I guess it probably was at this point. Yeah, about a year and a half ago, man. Time flies. <laughs> no kidding. Um, all right. So tell us a little bit about your book, um, and then you know, you know what the release date is is and everything like that. Yeah. So like, here's the thing that's cool um, as it relates to my connection with Iowa State. Like if. Had I not been at Iowa State, like I never would have uh, would have wrote the book. I wrote it, actually like I didn't even know I was writing a book. So two things happened that were really cool. I was, uh, you know, like writing has always kind of been therapeutic. Writing and journaling, I think uh, this part it, it helps me be a better mentor because I enjoy mentoring young athletes. And so I always try to write things down, almost like a case study kind of thing. And, and to go back and look at my notes. So when I was at Iowa State, I was writing. And then obviously, like, I mentor a lot of Christian athletes, and I'm always trying to pull parallels between basketball to help them, you know, to help them with their faith or use faith to help them with basketball. I think they kind of go hand in hand. And uh, Lex of the girls' team, um, she knew I was a trainer. She really loves working on her game, and she wanted to work out with me. So we worked out, and then after that, shortly thereafter, Adriana and and uh, Nia started working out with me. And then they just immediately kind of developed. We developed this big brother type relationship, and they wanted me. They wanted to grow in their faith, so we started doing like Bible studies. And I would go back to my notes, and they were like, "This is really good." And I was like, "Yeah, I was thinking about writing a book." And that's the worst thing I could have said to them because they like held me accountable. They would write. They would walk into the basketball office and be like. What have you written? How much have you gotten? They put me on a timeline. And so that's really actually how the book started. And then the other part of it was is, um, you know, my I felt like going into Iowa State, you know, obviously when you're part of a team, you want to give that team the the best of you. And I think that just developing character in young athletes is 
the best contribution that I could give. That's the be- one of the best things, if not the best thing I do. And so just looking at some of the things that our players were going through, and I just kind of would like write something, and I didn't know if I was going to ever share it with them or, you know, if it was just something I needed to be mindful of because they're all going through stuff. It's it's hard to be a high major athlete. These are, you know, young adults trying to figure out transfer from, you know, being a boy or a girl to a young man or young woman. So I would write to, you know, something that to Jeff Beverly, even if he never read it, who's transitioning from being an athlete to adulthood or even, you know, on a, on a uh, you know, more somber note like, uh, Donovan, you know, he lost his father in the middle of the year. And, you know, like Lindell, when he first started last year, he put way, or two years ago, he put way too much pressure on him and handling it, trying to, like, carry that five-star recruit burden. And just, I would, like, write things and, you know, go kind of meditate, pray, and read the Bible. So that's really how it, you know, that's how it started, and that's where it was written. And uh turned out that this publishing company loved it. So it should be out maybe... Maybe we're hoping possibly pre-sales at the end of the year, but it'll be out early next year for sure. Awesome, dude. Yeah, I mean, that sounds awesome. And, uh, I mean, who would have ever thought that uh, that that a couple of Iowa State women's basketball players would be the toughest editors that you were ever going to have? Oh, man, they, they, they were hardcore. They But but they, they were hardcore, but they were also a character because, like I said, I didn't know that I had a talent for writing. I didn't think that anybody would want to read it, and it was their affirmation affirmating words that were like, you know, I would read this or this really helps me and, you know, can I read more? So, yeah, they had the good balance. Maybe they, maybe their calling is they'd be great coaches because they know how to push you and demand excellence, but they also know how to encourage you. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I know that Coach Fenley has a He's got a good eye for for people like that, so it wouldn't surprise me if that ended up being uh, the track that they ended up going into. But I know I'm really excited about it, man, and uh, and we'll probably have you on again, you know, closer to the release date, so you can talk about it a little bit more. But uh, what have, what else have you been up to? I mean, I know you've been all over the place here, really, since you you left Ames. What uh, you know, what all have you been doing with your your business and and everything else in the game? Man, I've been doing everything. So you know. Um... The first thing is, is like what I'm finding out now is like may, maybe like writing a book, which I, I guess I should have said this too. Like, so the book is some sort of like, you know, life story of Nate Graham. I don't think I'm that important. It's mm-hmm. just uh, like 51 devotional basketball themed devotionals um, for Christian for Christian athletes. But that's been the the main thing is like writing a book was easy. But I've kind of just been on this whirlwind deal, man of doing what I need to do to promote the book and, you know, um, all that kind of stuff. So, I've, man, it's been crazy. I've been on the grind. You know, they say the grind is real. My grind has been crazy real. I've been all over the country living out of suitcases, living on people's couches, even had to sleep a few nights, like, in the car between going from city to city. So, like, I've just been on the grind. Like, luckily, our, I'm happy now. Like, I'm in my happy place. I'm in Denver. I've been in Denver for, like, the last three weeks. Um, because like I'm transitioning back into like basketball mode. Um, to write this book, I had to like put basketball on the back burner and just finish the process. And the best way to describe it, man, I felt like a like a kid that couldn't go play a recess. And so like now, like I'm actually able to get back in there. So Chauncey called me up. Chauncey Bump, called me up. So we trained Eric Bledsoe. So we did that for a week, which is amazing. Then 
after that, I got back. I got a good week and a half of working in here in Denver with Jimmy Fredette before he goes. Um, he's going to Greece. So that's always great. And then most recently, Chauncey and I, we got together. And what we did, we we created a, a three-day mini camp for all the college players from the state of Colorado. When they come back, you know, they need something to do. So we just finished a three-day mini camp, which was really cool, man. We had two-a-day workouts where one workout, you know, we just uh, put them in small groups and kind of connected with their college coaches and figure out what, figured out what they needed. And then in the evening, they would come back and play. So that was pretty cool. So I'm just kind of kind of collecting myself from doing all that. Man, I'm, I love watching your guy Chauncey on TV, but when is an NBA team going to call him and, and make him their general manager? Seems like every well, year his know, name's like, getting thrown out there. Absolutely. Well, you know, um, right now he's, uh, he's, loving, uh, he's loving being on TV. Uh, he loves being able to be available to, you know, help the young players uh, all over, not just like here in the state of Colorado, but like all over. Um, you know, like Eric Bledsoe, like the young NBA players, he brings them in and like, it's really cool. He helps them on the floor and he mentors them. He's fulfilled, but like he does miss being a part of a team. And the last time we talked, he's trying to figure out, you know, is it the GM move or is it to get into coaching? You know, so he doesn't quite know what it is. I mean, he's a, he's a, like, just like he was as a point guard, he's a very shrewd, uh, businessman and a professional turning into kind of like a Magic Johnson of sorts with his business stuff. So I'm sure he'll just be patient enough to to wait for the right situation. Definitely. Um, well, you, as busy as you've been, did you still get an opportunity to watch any Iowa State basketball last season? Man, of course. Uh, of course, I watched them all. And the other place that I've been, you know, like I said, I've been all, all over the place. I've spent the most time in the last year in Dallas. And so like it's kind of been like a unique deal for me because of course I watched I watched every Iowa State game. I mean, I even missed a flight. I was going somewhere and I think that I think it was the Kansas game at home. Um I ended up <laughs> I ended up missing my flight <laughs> because I was in the airport and I timed it wrong. So I was like, "Nah, I'm going to finish the game." So I pretty I watched uh I think maybe the only you know, I didn't get to see uh, as many of the, the non-conference. I watched, obviously, all the Maui stuff. I think the only game that I missed was, which is probably one of our best games, was the Ole Miss game. Yeah. So every, other than that, I got to watch them, and it was a unique perspective because I was more or less been in, in enemy territory. You know, uh, you know, I've been around the TCUs and the Baylors and in that area and in that hub, so... Yeah, I made sure I watched it and wore my cyclone, cyclone stuff wherever I went. So, yeah, for sure. For you, you know, obviously you were with a lot of those guys last season. And then, you know, kind of to end up being on the outside, like you said, being in enemy territory. I mean, I know someone that I, th I think you spent a lot of time with was Mariel Shayok, you know, when he was going through his, mm -hmm. uh, his sit-out season after transferring from from Virginia, what was it like for you to see the success that he had in in uh, his one year on the floor for the Cyclones? I mean, not surprised. Not surprised. You know, like if you know, I, I would put you know, uh, I would put all the money I had. I would put my reputation on the fact that he was going to do everything he did. Um, I wish, like, so with what I do, uh, I spend a lot of time with so many young players that aspire to, to do what he's doing. 
aspire to go play at Iowa State and thrive like he did. And, you know, because we live in this social media world where we fantasize things, like they don't realize how hard that guy worked. That dude, like I've, I've been blessed to be around some hard workers. I, it was crazy. I told you, um, Jimmy Fredette, um, you know, the cool thing about like being a trainer is, is the intimacy of the conversation. So we love to talk basketball. So I was talking to him about like his work ethic when he was at BYU during Jimmy Mania. And as he's describing it, he's basically describing like Mario's workout work ethic. You know, it's no secret. And, you know, like we're, I'm working out Jimmer and at the end of the workout, he's going to make 50 threes, 10 from at the end of the workout. He's worked hard and make uh, 50 threes, 10 from five spots. He goes like 50 for, let's say, 61, 62. He's so upset. He's throwing balls. He starts all the way over. No different than Mario Shayak. It's no secret. It's no secret to why guys like that are successful. Um, like I and you know to take it a step further. You know I think he's gonna he's gonna have a, a 10 plus year NBA career because of that. I mean I agree 100. percent You know and I think he showed during the summer league that he does a lot of things that are really valuable to teams in the NBA right now. And I got to say, I'm absolutely thrilled that my Philadelphia 76ers were the ones that were smart enough to to take him in the second round, because I think that dude is going to be a dog in the NBA for a really long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. He has a game that's going to stick. Yeah, he's going to be able to stick for sure. I'm interested to know what you you know, how you think uh, Taylor can fit in with, with Los Angeles this year and, you know, I think you spent a little bit of time with him when he first got to Ames. Did you see him being a guy that was going to end up playing the way he did as a true freshman and then, you know, end up being an NBA draft pick? Well, you know, like, yeah, uh, you know, Taylor and I got close, and we're still close. Um, I spent a lot of time in California, so who knows how close we'll be. But um, one of the cool things uh, about this last year was, know even though I was away from the program you know so like a lot of the players all over the country um I send them this thing I call a daily dime just like an inspirational um message of focus you know in the morning and he was one of the players and we always corresponded and like he's I'm so I'm so grateful for what, what I do for the experiences at Iowa State you know he came in and the first thing he did is like what do I need to do to become an NBA player um, I was like, well, we got to watch film. We got to do this. We got to do that. You know, he was very intentional about what he wanted to do. Then the other thing that really stood out to me is the first week he was at Ames. I mean, he, like, called, uh, came to the office. I was still there, obviously. He came over. He pulled me to the side and he just started crying, you know, because he's homesick. And, you know, he had never really been that far away from home. And just to see him transform from that guy to a guy that progressed to turn himself into an NBA player is is really cool. And, like, I know that it was his goal to be uh, one and done. Like, he really wanted to, to, to do the one and done deal. And I remember, like, shortly after he got drafted, he was like, I told you I was going to be I was going to be do the one and done thing. So it was always cool to see young people um, put their mind to something, you know, overcome the tough times and, and find a way to make it work. Yeah, I know he was a guy that you could always see the talent and you could always see where, sure. you, you know, you can always see like what the, the potential for him down the road. I mean, I think that that kid is going to play the best basketball of his life, you know, 
two, three years from now, uh, you know, or even yeah. further down the road than that. And obviously he had a really good year at Iowa State, but I just – I. You know, I think that people are going to look back on it and 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 you're really going to be like, yeah, that was where he was really just like setting the base of the kind of player that he was going to end up becoming down the road. And, you know, I know that there's been I know he's caught a lot of criticism from different people, uh, you know, in the last, you know, probably a couple months Um for his decision to go pro and stuff like that, but uh, I, I I can't blame him at all, you know, because that's a kid that I think is gonna uh, he he did what he needed to do in Ames in order to get to where he wanted to go. He's there, and now I think he's someone who's really gonna take advantage of that opportunity and uh, you know and kind of seize the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, I actually talked to you know here's here's what's cool about uh, you know Chauncey and my relationship with him. What kind of what kind of man he is. Uh, it's he he's invested in the Iowa State program just because I was there, so he's asking about Taylor, and he's giving me advice as to like how can I I'm like how can I help him? What do I need to tell him, or Lindell, or you know Mary, or anybody like that? So he's still asking questions. So we were just talking about him the other day, and his take is is one, you know obviously like he's very blessed because he's a rich Paul client and he's going to the Lakers. I mean, let's just be honest, and that's right. great. That gives him, that takes that pressure off, you know, and gives him the the ability to develop. But then the more important thing is, Taylor is very young, you know, he's a young eighteen, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, he's going to a locker room with with professionals. He's going to a locker room with veterans. He's going to a locker room with Rajon Rondo, who like you see him on the sideline teaching the game. Going to a locker room with Danny Danny Green, a, a two-time champion, and so that's very very invaluable. You you know us as Cyclone fans that are cheering for Taylor to to be the best. You know, like we got to feel secure in the fact that he's going to a place where he's going to they're going to help him develop not only as a basketball player but as a professional. And because of that, I think that he's he too is going to be in, able to be in the league for a long time. Man, and I think that any basketball fan in the world would give just about anything to get front row seats to watch LeBron James and Anthony Davis every single night too. So I don't think you complain about that too much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you, you mentioned Lindell. I think that, you know, his trajectory at Iowa State is is really interesting and you were really here for a lot of the, the highs of it. I mean, I think he'd you know, he ended on a high when he, you know, with his walls he played in Kansas City, made the all tournament team and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what'd you what do you kind of think about the trajectory for for Lindell this past season? Just you know, being an outsider and and then still even you know corresponding with him sure. I'm sure, as I'm sure you did. Yeah. So like, here's the thing about Lindell. Like Lindell is a rhythm guy. You know, if you remember his freshman year, he got out of the gate slow and he had to figure it out. You know, like once Lindell gets into a rhythm, you know, he goes and he'll go into a stretch where he'll have, you know, four or five really good games. And so, like, the psychology with Lindell is how do you keep him in rhythm? You know, so the fact that he had an injury that put him, that sidelined him, right? And then after that, you know, Tyrese played so well. So he never, you know, it took him a long time to find that rhythm. And knowing that about Lindell, that's why I wasn't surprised, you know, that it took him a while. Because, you know, some players – you know, they can just go in and they can just get it. And that's just who he is as a player. So, 
you know, I think that's, you know, part of the reason it took him so long to to get it going. And so with Lindell at the next level, you know, I just hope that one, as he gets older, you know, he figures out how to get himself in that rhythm in his sweet spot, so to speak. And I hope that, you know, wherever he goes, whether it's, you know, NBA, you know, go to the G League to, to work to work himself to an NBA player, go overseas and make good money in one of those leagues, you know, that he gets to the organization that can assist him in helping him find that rhythm because that was our thing with with uh, you know, in my time with him is, you know, we gotta figure out how to get you in that rhythm. And it was it was kind of like a holistic approach. It was like when we would spend our time together, it wasn't just getting the gym. It was let's talk it out. Uh, let's, you know, kind of figure out a game plan from that standpoint. You know, Lindell is, you know, his faith is something that's important to him, so we shared that. So we kind of use that to kind of help us and help him get in that space. And then obviously, like, we put in a lot of, like, focused work to where he was feeling good. And that was kind of like, I go back to the stretches where he played at Iowa and Baylor and different in, in different games like that. He was just in that sweet spot, so... And I think, I think you have an interesting perspective on, you know, something that has really been kind of at the forefront of basketball here, especially the last couple months. Um, and it, you know, it maybe pertains a little bit to some of these Iowa State guys, where I think you could, you know, in hindsight, ask some questions about stuff. But uh, is the the guys that have started to jump directly from high school and go whether it be to the G League, you know, you see RJ Hampton who goes to uh, yep. Australia. And I know, like you mentioned, you'd spend a lot of time in Texas. I think you told me at some point that you'd spend a little time around RJ. So uh, mm-hmm. do you do you see that continuing to be something? Do you see that being something that even grows further here over the next couple seasons, like more than maybe we even really anticipate? Yeah, like, so, yeah, that is uh... – that's the, I think that's a great topic for me to have an opinion because I saw that unfold. Um, so, like, RJ, family and my family go way back. You know, his dad calls me family. His dad played for high school basketball for my uncle, um, who's no longer with us, Jimmy Tubbs. And then he, my dad recruited him in college and signed him to SMU. So his dad, I was a little ball boy for his dad's team this freshman year. And so I've known him since then. Before I took the job at Iowa State, like, he wanted me to help um, develop RJ. And when I left Iowa State, I went back to Texas. And uh, the gym, my, one of my good friends, and I spent a lot of time there. We did some things together, like a fitness gym. His uh, Melvin Sanders played at the Oklahoma State. Cyclone fans will remember him. He's, uh, he trained him, like, from the strength, agility, all that type stuff. And so we spent a lot of time. I went to his high school games. And like for him, I think he made the right move. I mean, he signed a, a multi-million dollar deal, if I'm not mistaken, with mm-hmm. Lenin. But he checks out of boxes. Like he, he, he has high character. His dad was a former professional basketball player. You know, he grew up in this in Dallas. And the thing about that is, is like when you're as good as him, he plays with pros. He trains with pros. He you know, interacts with pros. You know, he played for Moutier, uh, Emmanuel Moutier's team for a few years before uh, moving to a different team. So he's he's prepared 
Um, and he's he's physically gifted. Cyclone fans should be glad that he went because he's probably going to Kansas or Texas Tech. And, you know, so, like, he's ready from an emotional standpoint, mental standpoint. He's got the team around him. Um, he, he If there's one player that can do it, it's him. Here's the thing that, that is concerning and scary for, for me as somebody that mentors a lot of these players is that ain't for everybody. Right. And it's not for a lot of people. Um, so there are going to be some people that think they're capable of doing that, and they're just not – they just don't have the structure or they're not prepared from that physically, mentally, emotionally to go do that. And that's what breaks your heart is when you see somebody go and do that and they do it prematurely and they're not ready for it. So my hope is is that, you know, they listen to the right people. Um, and, you know, I see a lot of young athletes, they tend to gravitate towards people that will tell them what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people because there's a lot of money being exchanged. You know, if you can deliver this guy, you know, I'll give you something on the back end or on the side. So there's a lot of people in their life that give them advice and there's an agenda that's not a good agenda. So, you know, that's kind of my take. It's not for everybody, but I do think uh, I support the people that do do it if they do it for the right reasons and they're prepared. Yeah, and I think that it, you know, from from my perspective, what I'm really interested to see is is how, not that the NBA necessarily combats this, but or the trend, but the way that they kind of react to it, because I think I, I I know for a fact that the NBA, the reason a lot of the reason they like these guys so young, you know, you look at a guy like Taylor, the reason that he is appealing to people is because they can get him into their system, they can get him into you know just the basketball mold and and start basically molding molding these guys into what exactly what they want them to be or what they see them potentially being down the road from when they're you know 18, 19 years old. And, you know, if you start seeing these guys go overseas or, uh, you know, you start seeing some of these guys that maybe they're not really ready to to go and try and play professional basketball. And then they, you know, you you could see a guy who goes to New Zealand, he's not ready to go play. And then he just sits on the bench for a year and and you don't really know, uh, you know, what's going to come out of that. I think it's it's interesting to see here in the next couple of years how the rules are going to change and how they're going to approach these things. And, And I think that from my perspective, I would like to see it be where, and I don't know who does it, some sort of governing body where they are going to be evaluating kids that are, you know, you know, maybe starting at 16, 17 years old, where you look at it and it's like, all right, this is the kind of kid that we, you know, you give him a grade. It's like, this is a kid who's good enough to go and play professionally, whether that be in the G League or maybe it even be a guy like Zion Williamson, who it's like, we think that this guy is physically prepared to go and play in the NBA right now. And and you try and kind of start it with that. The problem is I don't know how the NCAA would ever allow that, and unfortunately the NCAA doesn't seem overly concerned with trying to do anything to actually help anyone. So it, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a hard question. It's a harder question to answer uh, for me. I, it's, I leave it up to people a lot smarter than I am, but I, I'd just be interested in your perspective on that too just because it, it seems like you're around so many good players, and it's like there's a lot of guys out there that when you watch them play in high school – you can see where it's like, man, that guy's going to be a dog in college. And it's like, what's the point? You know, what's the point of going to college and basically wasting that one year uh, of, you know, I guess earning potential on some level? Man, that, that was what I was going to say. There's two things, you know, like at the end of the day, you know, like they're making absurd uh, amounts of money, but they have uh absurdly small window to do so. So when you look at it like that, like that, like that year that you go make money at, 18 or 19, if you can, 
it ain't like you're going to get that back on the back end. Right. You, you're not going to make that money at 36. You know, so you got to – there's that as well. Yeah, so no, I can I completely – you know, I completely agree with you. It's, it's definitely um, – it's definitely a, a, a tough subject, and it's a, it's a tough place for a young person to be in because how do you truly know? Um, and like RJ, like he said, he was, by the way, he's an honest 3.7 GPA. It wasn't a school thing. He said he just want to hoop. Like he wants to, you know, he wants to play basketball. You know, he had no interest in, you know, investing so much time into into the school stuff. And, you know, like I, and I think that's where it's at is is everybody's different, you know, just like being successful in life. Some, there are millionaires, there are successful business people that have no formal education. Some people thrive in a sink and swim where others needed to educate themselves. And they also need it from a social development standpoint. And so like, I think that, that, that everybody's different, you know, but I mean, we have to be honest, you know, one of the things, uh, and that's actually one of the reasons that I did write the book um, is because, it's so much for these high major college athletes, you know, that they don't ha- ever have time. It's hard for them to unplug. You know, we say that sports is 80% mental and 20% physical, but like they have so much going on between the physical demands, the academic demands and everything else that there's no time. And so like, if somebody wants to forego that and they're capable, then they should be, they should be able to do that. And I think that's where you can look at at some of the way that the NCAA, you know, college administrators. I feel like they're lying to themselves on some level. Like, and you and you brought it up. I mean, you mentioned it where some of these kids, you know, maybe that's not that they don't want to go to school or like some of these kids just like they, to be flat honest, shouldn't be in college. Like they they just aren't yeah. prepared to be in college. And that's yeah. it's like what what are they truly benefiting from any of that? in the long run anyway, you know? It's like they're only staying eligible in order to keep playing basketball. All they want to really do anyway is play basketball. We need to figure out a way to give them a better outlet to go and do that. And that's what that's what's cool about what they're doing right now in New Zealand. And, and it goes back to the same thing. Like it, I don't think you can let everyone do that because that's a kind of a slippery slope. But you've got to – I feel like we have to do a better – job of being able to legislate some of these things to where the people that really just don't have any business being in college and maybe they go to college and they get ineligible or you know they maybe they end up getting themselves in trouble or something like that and then they drop off the face of the earth and they lose out on their opportunity they might have ever even had to go and play professional basketball and and that's kind of frustrating to me because then it it makes you wonder who is this really about is it about the kids or is it about all the other things and I don't know. That's my little rant that I, I had to go on. I heard you yeah. kind of chuckle there no, in the I middle, but no, yeah, I it's just, you, yeah. I feel you. I think the and you know, like my last thing on that is, uh, I think that say, for example, if you're at Iowa state, you know, like, yeah, everybody's not going to go to the NBA, but if you're a legit recruit or a scholarship basketball player at Iowa state, there's a good chance that you can go play professional basketball if you so choose mm-hmm. and make good money. And that's still a good living. And, you know, what about having more instead of traditional classes, you know, like I think that things that will prepare them, you know, for that, you know, I've, I'm actually, which is really cool. Uh, I've been in talks and partnering with uh, a guy that's a former, a former agent with Octagon and like he wants to, uh, educate 
you know, create financial literacy and fitness and preparation. And so we're trying to brainstorm ways to do that. But those are the things that they need. And then the other thing, like I'm a big advocate of, of, of mental health. Um, I mean, if we're going to, now we need to put ourselves in the shoes of Lindell Wigginton, in the shoes of, um, you know, Jacoby Longer, in the shoes of, you know, whoever, and think about the things that they deal with. You know, like with great, uh, you know, they have. There's a responsibility that comes with the social media fame and all that kind of stuff. And the world loves you one minute, they hate you the next. And uh, you know, ha- handling success and and dealing with the demands off the court and dealing with the meeting the expectations of your coach and then figuring out what agent I should hire, or if I should go pro or if I should stay, or trying to figure out a social life. You know, I think that like you know things to help them you know, be able to, to, to deal with those. Those are things that are practical. Those are the things that will, they can actually take away. So I don't know if it's kind of creating more avenues for them for, cl- for classes while they're at an institution that, that they can walk away and be like, I'm better prepared for what I for what it is I want to do. Because at the end of the day, like people go to college to um, be successful professionals. Right. So like, are we doing that with athletes? that are going to go play basketball for the next 10 years. And if they do it the right, if they have financial literacy and financial fitness and they're mentally healthy and they understand about investments, you know, because they're going to have, you're talking about somebody that you're at with state Donovan Jackson just signed a, a contract. He's going to make more money and he continues to develop. Now he's 27 years old. And by the time he's 27 years old, he's amassed, you know, $700,000. You know, so now he's in a different place than most 27-year-olds. So he's in a place where if he knows how to manage his money and he knows how to invest in property and he knows how to to develop some entrepreneurial – oh, my goodness, what am I trying – entrepreneurial? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, experience, like he can never work a day in his life for somebody else. I mentioned my friend Melvin Sanders. He played – he had a cup of coffee in the NBA, but he played overseas. And he got with some great mentors, and he was able to do that where, where now his life after basketball is great. I have another friend in Washington State that played in the NFL. Now he's in Denver killing it on the real estate on the real estate thing. So their pathway from basketball to being a professional is a little different than most people. Definitely. All right, we'll switch gears, and then uh, to finish out, we'll uh, talk some Iowa State uh, basketball looking forward, and then the Big 12 looking forward uh, into next year, since I know you know a lot about some of those other teams down in Texas. But uh, the the other thing that I think has been really interesting here, there's a story on ESPN that came out, actually, I I think from what I looked at it, it came out a month ago yesterday, and the headline was, Mm -hmm. was something along the lines of, it was an NBA scout quoted as saying, these kids are ticking time bombs. And it goes into how... Uh, kids are playing so many games at such a young age by the time they get to college or whatever they're going to go do. Then when they get to the NBA, they're already at risk of things like stress fractures. Uh, there's a story about Julius Randle who broke his leg in his first professional game. Uh, you yep. see you see a lot of guys that end up sitting out full seasons you know, early on in their professional careers because of issues with their mm-hmm. feet and, and other joints and stuff like that. And it, this is another thing where you're, you're around a lot of, of young players you're around a lot of kids who are probably playing a ton of games right now 
you know, how do you approach this thing when you're talking to parents or or the athletes that are looking to eventually try and go play college basketball? Yeah, well, the first thing is that article that you, that you referenced. I think that every everybody that's involved, you know, so for all the listeners that are trainers, coaches, parents, uh, athletic administrators at the high school level, they need to read that article and they need to digest that. And uh, Alan Stein, um, who's like a basketball-specific, you know, um, strength, agility um, trainer to like all, like he did Carmel or, you know, Kyrie and KD and LeBron and Kobe, all these guys. So I was fortunate enough like seven or eight years ago to host a camp with him, to do a camp with him. And we were at my house watching hoops, and he was just talking back then, basically what that article said. Uh, he was like, I think it was like right around D. Rose's first injury, and he said the same thing. He said these injuries are rooted from high school and junior high. And I just, that stuck with me. And then, man, like, so <laughs> when I was at Iowa, the hardest thing was going back to school. I was 36 when I start when I started, you know, 13 years removed from, going to class and putting things in APA, APA format. And, man, that was – it was overwhelming. It was a lot. But I, I did youth development, and I did my paper on compet- the culture of competitive youth sport. And it's a $15.3 billion industry. I'll say that again, $15.3 billion annually. So the people that are making decisions on how many games your 13- or 14-year-old play – not like some guy that that has their best interest at hand. There's some person that is trying to capitalize on this, create this culture where people think more and more and more. I mean, let's just take a time out and think about it. If the world's best players play around 100 games and they're fully grown and developed, like what sense does it make that we've got 14, 15-year-olds playing 200 games in a year mm-hmm. that makes no sense but we don't take time we just kind of go with the flow and no one blows the whistle because everybody is capitalizing off of these parents and these players and there's so many things that go into it it's not just the physical it's the emotional but from the physical standpoint you know like people are having to because it's so competitive they're specializing in sport earlier and earlier so they're overworking some muscles and underusing underutilizing and an underdevelopment of other muscles, which creates, like, by the time they're 20, they're 21. You know, like that article said, I know you read it, it would be like having a sports car and, you know, just like the engine is just, like, awful because you've worn it out. And it's like you look at the car and it's like, man, I've only had this car for three years. Like, I shouldn't be having these problems until, like, year 11 or 12. And that's more or less what's happening. So, like, somebody that's that's been around, um, players of all ages, I'm glad that we're finally talking about it. I think that we all have a responsibility to evolve. Like even me, I've had to look myself in the mirror. I see a lot of trainers, and they take pride in, you know, just giving some guy this super intense workout and, you know, making him <laughs> almost pass out because he's going so hard, as opposed to realizing, like, this guy had played five games this week. He has a strength trainer. He's doing this, and we're all like, got to take a step back and figure out the formula and how efficient we can be. And if there are any listeners um, out there that are with you, um, reach out to me on um, Twitter. Um, I will send you, I have a formula for player development. 
you know, basically, you know, like that after talking to parents and experts and it goes along with that survey, um, I think that for a youth basketball player, like your basketball career should, or your basketball should look like a math class. Like how how great of a math student would you be if every day you went to class you took a test? Right. Like so it's the same thing. Like these kids are playing so many games, but they're never preparing. They don't have time to prepare. They don't have time to work on their game. They don't have time to recover. They don't have time to get away. Eric Bledsoe, when we first worked with him, and he was working and he was talking to some young high school kids that were in the gym, the first thing he said is, "Is like in the off season, I make sure that I take a vacation. I make sure that I get away from basketball." There are times during the off season where I don't touch a basketball, and these fourteen, fifteen year old kids don't have that time. So, yeah, and I think it's especially for a lot of the people that might be listening to us right now. I can't imagine there's many parents out there that have guys who are going to go or kid guys or girls who are going to go play in the NBA. But uh, yeah, but you know, I look at it as as sometimes you got to take a step back and and look. You know, look yourself in the mirror, you know, look your kids, look at your kids a little bit and just like be realistic where the reality of the situation is that the if a kid is going to go isn't going to go play division one or is or maybe isn't good enough to you know go and play AAU or something like that where they get recognized by a college and then get a scholarship offer, whether that be at the division two, division one or whatever level. You know, I was a kid who I never played AAU in my life. I spent the entire summer working on my game. I spent the entire fall working on my game because I didn't play football. And I still was able to go and play at the Division three level, which is where, realistically, a lot of kids, especially in the state of Iowa, that's where a lot of kids are going to end up going and, going and playing. And I'm not trying to say that people shouldn't have this dream of like, oh, I'm going to go play AAU yeah. and, uh, and I'm going to get seen by this college coach or something like that. I'm just trying to – I think that there's, there's some – level of this where people need to just be more realistic it's like there's no point in going to play all of these games all the time with the hope of getting recognized just because you're not really getting that much better you can spend time on your own or with your friends playing the game and getting better and, and probably do just as much to help you yeah absolutely man so like yeah i mean exposure is not always a good thing getting recognized isn't always a good thing heck i'm probably single right now because you know like when I start, when I was, you know, when I'm dating somebody, you know, like, and they would, you know, pop up over my house and it wasn't, you know, it's stuff everywhere because I've been in the gym all day and then they're like, man, this guy's apartment, or his place is a wreck. They're not coming back. Like, I, like, and that's how I feel like a lot of parents are like, they're like, oh, expose, expose, expose. Yeah, but your kid doesn't have a left hand. So that coach isn't coming back. Yeah, but your kid can't change speeds. You know, go ask Coach Kane about uh, John Morant, you know? like if, and, and so what I mean by that is, is, like, he saw him playing. He wasn't on the list. He wasn't top whatever, whatever. You know, if they, if you can hoop, they can, they're going to find you. Right. And the other thing is, is, like, you can overexpose yourself. You know, like, the more they see you, the more they're going to, like, it, the thing is, is when they first see you, they're like, oh, this kid's good. Then the more they see you, then they start being nitpicky. They start noticing things about you, you know. So sometimes it's good that like they haven't seen you as much. I mean, there there are players on that roster, you know, Zion. You know, Zion, his recruitment, like he came out of nowhere. Like Zion had a good three weeks, and all of a sudden he went from being somebody that no high majors offered to a four-star recruit. Kansas was trying to recruit. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so like, why are we in such a rush to expose a 12 year old or even a 15 year old? Like you said, let's save money. Let's let's take some miles off the tire, and let's just really take a step back and evaluate. You know, the the formula for what we're trying to do. Definitely. All right. Last thing. Uh, I know you've. Obviously, you've been with a lot of the guys that are still playing for Iowa State right now. Uh, when you look at this group of guys that they've got coming back for 2019-2020, what, uh, what are your kind of initial thoughts? I think that this is going to be a fan-friendly team. I think that this is going to be a team that's easy to cheer for. Um, I think that, like, last year was – that was a, you know, God bless Coach Prone for, for uh, you know, like – and the coaching staff with that team. And not in a bad way. It was just a lot of moving parts, so to speak. You know, you've got Mario, who won, uh, played not only has one year, but he had kind of been limited offensively. How do you fit that in with, you know, Nick Babb, who who rightfully so should have the ball in his hands a lot because he makes amazing decisions. Then all of a sudden you've got, you know, Taylor, who is this, you know, phenom that's this, you know, uh, the long wingspan, he's got a freak of a basketball player. And then Lindell comes in, and like I said, in the middle, he's got to find his rhythm. So because of that, last year's team won a Big 12 title. But, you know, it was a Peaks and Valleys team, and that just was what it was. So, you know, like I said, I was like with the rest of, you know, Iowa State fans, and it was just, you know, up one minute, down the next. I think that this year's team, you know, while they're nowhere near as talented because that team last year was one of the most talented offensive teams in the country. This team, I think that what I like about this team is the intangibles of this year's team coming up are are what's going to carry them that and obviously playing at the, you know, best home court in the country in Hilton. But, you know, you've got four players that really stand out to me, four players that were going to, you know, make sure that that team maxes out. And to me, you know, George Condit, who is my sleeper on next year's team, my dad, who uh, was uh, a coach for 28 years, Division One coach, coached me, coached in Oklahoma State, big country, uh, was always known as a great evaluator. I remember we watched the game, he was like, man, that Condit kid, man, I like him. They need to play him more. I got in my dad's voice. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he, you know, he – like my, you know, my dad's never wrong with stuff like that. And I talked to George throughout the year, and I just love his his spirit, his attitude, his fight. I mean, he He's comes from you know not only a great athlete, but just his dad, one of my one of my good friends. Um, you know, they they raised him the right way. I I really love the the, the presence he's going to have on the team. Um, and then next, obviously, you got Tyrese. Here's what's great about Tyrese going into next year is he played for that Team USA team. Um, One of the things that Chauncey and I try to do with the guys that we develop is really try to help them not let success. Like Chauncey said, success is the test a lot. And, you know, he had this great success, you know, on the team level, on the individual level, and even good kids like him can lose that chip on their shoulder. The best thing to happen to him was going to play for Team USA. Think about this. Think about being somebody that is talked about, and rightfully so. You uh, were part of the reason. You were influential part of your team winning a Big 12 title, and then you go play on a team where there's a kid in high school and Kate Cunningham and Jalen Suggs that are talked about as pro prospects more than you. You know how. 
Now that I think if I was Coach Prom, I think that would be great because that chip on his shoulder, like that ain't going nowhere. You know, that you're gonna go back and you're gonna be motivated like these guys are still in high school. So and, and on top of that, like to me, when I look at Tyrese, I look at uh young Naz Long. Like, you know what I mean? Just uh uh everybody wants to be around him, a winner. Um he kinda just you he's a vibe. He everybody picks up so I think with him, and then we go from there to Mike Jacobson. Love Mike. Mike is the blue-collar guy, and I just – it's been great for me to see Mike um, – him continue to develop confidence in himself. A cool story for me with Mike is, you know, after the Nebraska deal, it didn't go his way. He lost a little confidence in himself. He He used to walk around – at Iowa State when he first got there, just happy. Just a, it was a breath of fresh air, but he st- he didn't quite have that confidence in himself because he, you know, lost it. And then I was working him and, and uh, Niang out, and they're shooting NBA threes because, you know, it's an NBA workout. And about the fourth or fifth spot, like Mike won, and Niang was, as you can imagine, upset. And literally at that moment, like, you could just see him just kind of pull his shoulders up and just like, I belong. And I felt like after that, he just continued to believe in himself, you know, and that's the type of guy you want to be successful. That's the type of guy you want to be productive because he's the one, nobody can question his effort. Nobody can question, you know, how much he cares. And I think that like last year, he began to assert himself and be a vocal leader. And I know that he's going to do that now. Mike is the type of guy. He's like, Hey, my senior year, we're not going to have a bad team. Right. So, and then last, you know, Prentice, Prentice Nixon, he has something to prove. He's a good kid. Um, you know, one of the things that, that uh, Chauncey talks about all the time is he said, I was a good leader in the NBA because I wasn't, I was not afraid to say what needed to be said. And that's what I see in Prentice. We know he has a toughness because he played for U Stacy, right? When he was at Iowa State, he was in a play, I mean, excuse me, Colorado State, he had to be a volume guy. You know, he's had a year, you know, to work under the coaching staff, Coach Hobbs, who was my OG that has helped him, you know, with his feel for the game and stuff like that. But between those four, like, I think that there are a lot of teams that don't have one guy like that, and and we have four. So, like, I'm excited to see, you know, what the the intangibles that those guys have collectively and, you know, the commitment that they're going to have, how that spreads and affects the whole team. As far as the rest of the conference, what – you know what do you what do you see and uh, is there anybody that is like really sticks out to you right now? Yeah, so like you know I got like so for me I probably got like three takes with my you know just being around kind of like the Texas you know, I'm a Texas centric just because of where I'm, where I'm at and you know like the first one is like Texas Tech you know I think that they're set up to like have sustained success I don't think that like them uh, year in and year out you know making deep runs to the tournament is is a one off. Um, and the reason I say that is just because think about this. They're like, I knew that Texas had just uber talent, but being there for the last year, day in and day out, it's unbelievable. I did. So there's two um, trainers that are nationally recognized, Tyler Ralph and Tim Martin. We got together along with Terrell Harris and did a workout over Christmas Eve. And that just tells you the commitment of a high school kid in Dallas. Christmas Eve, we're in the gym three hours, two and a half hours, whatever. And there's probably 30 to 35 kids. Wow. I think that a third of those kids will be on the NBA roster one day. 
and you've got Texas Tech that can go in because kids in Dallas and Texas, they're trying to go to the NBA. Look mm-hmm. at R.J. Hampton. Yeah, they want to go to college, but they're trying to go to the league. They're just built different. What Texas Tech and Coach Beard can do is say, we develop early entry NBA players. See, like Tyrese Maxey was going to Kentucky or, you know, R.J. Hampton if he would have went to college or Kay Cunningham who, fingers crossed for Cyclone fans, doesn't choose Oklahoma State. Those guys are going to go one and done barring some sort of injury regardless. Whereas Coach Beard, over the last two years, he took uh, Zaire Smith. I coached him in an all-star game in the spring before his freshman year, and he was not a one and done. It was development. It was just, you know, continued development at a rapid pace. Same thing, we see, we've seen a development of Jared Culver. And so you're going into Texas, you're going to get some of those guys because of that. And they actually have some. Kyler Edwards, who I think that is, if you saw him playing high school, he has the potential to be a uh, first or second team all Big 12 player. Then they've got Kevin McCuller, who sat out, who, you know, before his career is over, same thing. Uh, Jameis. Uh, Jameis Ramsey, I believe is his last name, played at Duncanville. You know, he turned, he progressed from a four-star to a five-star. So they're starting to stockpile that talent and kind of, kind of create that type of, that type of uh, turnover where they're getting those players. So I think that Texas Tech is is a team, from what I see and just being around Texas, they're going to be able to sustain that. The next one to me is Oklahoma State. I think that Coach Boyton. I can't believe I'm, man. I went to my 20-year high school reunion. Um, from Stillwater, because my dad coached there, obviously. You know, that was kind of, I couldn't believe that I'm old enough to be at a high school 20 years, but I was able to, uh, one, I went to check on uh, Chris Harris, who, and um, I just missed Isaac. He had just left. Those are kids, Isaac uh, Likely. Mm-hmm. Um, those are kids that I mentor. Uh, I went to check up on them since I was there, but I was able to talk to Coach Boyd, who is just a, a good dude. He reminds me a lot of Coach Prone, like just, uh, you know, kind of like, the underdog kind of guy. They kind of carry themselves like a, a you know, very humble uh, underdog. They still, they still, you know, have that about them as opposed, you know, a lot of coaches, they get to a certain level and it's not that they're bad people, but you don't feel like you can relate to them. So we talked about, you know, 30, 40 minutes and, you know, we talked about the players in, in, in his program and the good times at Oklahoma State. Then we talked about his ability to recruit in Texas and how he's been able to do it, you know, because it started with Isaac. And this year he has Chris Harris Jr. who started off at A&M four-star recruit um, and Avery Anderson, who I think is going to be, has a chance to be a star. He's going to be fun to watch. Then he went in and he hired Kay Cunningham, who arguably the number one player in the country. He hired his brother. And so like, if he can find a lot, if he can close that deal, I think that he too much similar to coach Beard, will be able to frequently get in um, on a lot of Texas kids, which is what you have to do at Oklahoma State. When my dad was at Oklahoma State, that's what allowed him to be able to help Coach Sutton when they made those runs. They would always get kids from Texas, Desert Mason, so on and so forth. So, you know, those are kind of two teams that I would look at is to see, like, Texas Tech isn't going anywhere. Oklahoma State, I think that they're – uh, maybe a year or two away from building, you know, like a, a competitive powerhouse. And then I think the the other thing that was, was big in terms of other teams besides Iowa State was uh, Kansas being able to get Jalen Wilson late, another Texas guy. Um, I think that I think that he's going to come in and he's going to be a polished scorer. He's going to be a tough guard. He's versatile. He can score. He can shoot. 
Um, so, like those are those are probably my takeaways. I think that another another one is uh, Davian Harmon from uh, Oklahoma. I think he's going to be a starter, but I don't think they're going to be quite the level of you know some of the other teams. But he'll be fun to watch. So, you know, I don't necessarily haven't been able to. I've kind of been in hiding, you know, writing my book and promoting right. that. But you know, with my time in Texas and being around those those programs, that's kind of what I've been able to pick up on. Awesome, man. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh, you know sharing some of your your insights on on basketball and life, dude. I I know uh, you're one of the people that I I like to you know reach out to whenever I've got questions and stuff like that. So I really appreciate you, man. Oh yeah, no, I I, I for sure, man. I appreciate you, man, and I'm still rooting for you. I know you're gonna be. That you're gonna be dropping Woj bombs like that one day, whether it's continue with the Cyclones or maybe you they call you up to the big leagues and you're in the NBA, man. But I'm rooting for you. I've always enjoyed, uh, you know, what you guys do. Like especially now that I'm kind of removed, it's allowed me to like know the pulse of not just the basketball team, but obviously the women's basketball team. Rooting for them, but man, I'm getting excited for the uh, for the football team. I'm getting right. excited. So here's a funny story. And where I used to live in Denver, and I still go to this spot, there's a there's an Iowa Hawkeye, um, you know, headquartered alumni bar and grill. And so what I would do last year, I would go there during Iowa games and wear like I would I would wear Iowa State stuff, but you know you have some stuff that it, it's a gray sweatsuit or black. No, I would go in there with. <laughs> Cardinal, Iowa State, everything it just upset everybody. So I'm excited to go do that during the Iowa Iowa State game. So awesome, man! Hey, let me know if you're ever back in names, and uh, and we'll have to get together, maybe do another podcast. All right. All right, sounds good, bro. All right, thanks, man. Talk to you again soon. All right, no doubt. Thanks, guys, for tuning in to this week's episode of the Cyclone Fanatics Saturday Podcast. It's always great to have Nick on the pod. I love. Uh, his perspective on basketball and, and what he's able to bring to the table. We'll probably have him on again sometime during the hoop season. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Iowa Port for being the presenting sponsors of the Cyclone Fanatic Saturday podcast. Reminder to check out the back-to-school event going on right now, Chevrolet in Ankeny and Stewart. One August 24th at Barntown Brewing in West Des Moines, the Cyclone Fanatic kickoff party. We hope to see you guys out there, and we hope you guys are able to try out the Cyclone Fanatic beer, and maybe win something in one of our raffles. We will talk to you guys again soon, Monday, with another episode of Football and Random Things, two weeks away from football. We can't wait. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace.